0: Welcome to the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck daily podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: Why does the media want you to be constantly afraid? Ask yourself that question. There are very important answers that will come to mind. Why do they want you terrified now of everything they're telling you about? Just look at the dominant news stories. Look at what's in the headlines. You have the election that's over and Trump won't accept the results and everyone's supposed to be completely freaked out about this. But if you if you dig into it a little bit, if you look at what's going on, states haven't even certified their elections yet. There's nothing that's illegal, nothing that's outside of the established process. This is playing out. The system is, in fact, working as it was designed to at every stage. Now, this is a very complicated system. There's a lot of variables, a lot of things that can happen. And yes, things can go wrong. But there are provisions made for that. Those who are telling you that democracy itself is under threat, those who are doing everything they can to humiliate and, and undermine anyone who just wants answers here, Let's see what evidence is there. Let's read these affidavits about voter fraud. The people that want to shut all of, that, all of that down are doing so for a reason. And we know who they are. We know what they want, who they support. And it's not Donald Trump. Now look at COVID. Stories of people talking about how hospitals are about to get overwhelmed. You've got these uh, Joe Biden Advisors out there discussing long-term shutdowns. All of this is happening right now. And we've been here before. We know what's true at some level and what's not. We understand the limitations of some of these policies they're implementing. And in some cases, there's no upside. There's only downside. But they want you to believe that within two to three weeks, hospitals will be overwhelmed this time. There were no hospitals that turned away patients. There was nobody who didn't have a ventilator. Just think back to March and April in this country, in the worst-hit regions of the U.S. It didn't get to the point that they said it would, but there was panic. Well, what what I'm telling you right now is we need a panic shutdown. People need to stop trying to terrify everybody and and that's The real threat as I see it, because when you're when you're completely unnerved, when you're operating under this cloud of constant anxiety, which the media and the Democrats and the anti-Trumpsters are just just feeding on right now and the lockdowners and the the mask shamers. When you have to make decisions with that going on all around you as an individual and yes, as a society, you don't make very smart ones. You don't make very good ones. And I think that's really some level. The point they want you worried, they want you concerned. And yes, some of them have, I, I think, brainwashed themselves. I do believe there are people in the media, perhaps many of them who really think that Trump is a threat to our democracy, who really believe that by taking this to court and having lawyers uh, present judges with affidavits and other evidence and look at the numbers and, and ask for recounts. That this is, you know, exactly what Stalin would have done. Pol Pot right out of his playbook. I mean, this is insane what, what you're hearing about this. The claims that are being made all the time about just what Trump is is doing are false. And, you know, they're false. And because of the environment, um, because of the environment, you have people that don't care. What the costs are to the bad decision-making, as long as it serves the political purpose. School shutdown is probably the best example of this I can point to. With the schools shutdown, there's no way to justify this based on the numbers based on what we've seen. But they had to do what they thought before to make sure that the country did not feel like it was normalizing, that we were getting through the pandemic. It was useful against Trump. So they figure let's do it again because that was our position and no one wants to admit that they were wrong. No one wants to admit who's making decisions about keeping schools closed that they never should have done this. And if they were to change course now, it would be an admission of that. On the voter fraud issue, right, you've got both of these. There's such a such a fixation with exaggeration, so much intensity around. Getting people to stop asking the questions, give up, concede, bend the knee. Eventually, they may get what they want in terms of a Biden victory. That's possible. And if the votes show that, that's where we are. Friends, it's a pandemic year. Things are crazy. I know Donald Trump did a great job as president, but You know, unfortunately, the media is entirely against him. And we got a once in a century pandemic happening. It's possible. It's possible that when all the votes are counted and it's all done, he is not the president of the United States. And yes, there might be a lot of fraud. There might there there certainly are a lot of irregularities. There's all that stuff in there, too. But if we can't prove it, we operate within a system that says this is where we are. We don't have an alternative unless we want to blow up the whole system, which is what liberals do. That's what the left does. They don't get their way. They threaten the whole thing. If we don't get the desired outcome here after we've exhausted all options in court, after we've gone through all of this. It is incumbent upon us to say, all right, fine, let's focus on those Georgia Senate runoff races and let's continue to push the ideas Let's let's push the political movement that Donald Trump started of a conservative populism that fights for what it believes in. None of that changes. But here we are, it's going into the holidays. The media is going to have less and less that they're reporting on, because, as you know, media is a narrative. It's a construct from people that make a living doing just that. They come up with what they think you should hear. They think you should know. Uh, the one thing you'll see a continuation of here is to keep the pressure on to keep the pressure on Trump and the recount efforts and the, the legal challenges and to keep pressure on uh, everybody to think that covid is completely beyond our control unless you just abandon all of your liberties. Unless unless you give up whatever whatever rights you're supposed to have under the Constitution, you have to say, sorry doesn't count right now because Governor Cuomo or Governor Newsom have better ideas Governor Whitmer Governor Murphy you know Governor Wolf go down the list they they know better so we'll just allow them to completely overreach and to make these dictatorial moves or else the hospitals will over will overflow they tell you or else everyone around you could die this is what they say it's not true it's not true but there is a pandemic of panic out there and there are a lot of people who are pushing it they do so to control you they do so because it allows them to monetize your fear every time there's a news story that's some other thing that could be terrible about covid that you know new study says that covid may actually turn your entire head into a potato and everyone oh my gosh i don't want to be a potato and they all click and then It turns out some guy who's kind of crazy thinks he had covid and said, he, you know, you click on it and the story's nothing. But you clicked on it. There's no accountability for this anymore. The biggest news organizations in the country, in the world, do this on a regular basis. So they're making money off of your fear. They're controlling you through their through your fear. And they're also mobilizing their own side by creating false fear in them. That what they're telling people is true. And they sit above all of this like puppet masters turning us against each other, making people go, making people go into this Thanksgiving scared of their family members, scared of spending time with loved ones. For what? Well, I told you why they do it. But understand the motivations. And then it becomes a lot easier to ignore the hysteria. Look at this for yourself. This is a time in America where the ability to think for yourself, to come to your own conclusions based on information that you have verified that you know is accurate. It's more important than ever because there is so much out there. There's so much propagandizing going on. And unlike in previous eras, it follows you everywhere. You carry it with you. You carry the surveillance and propaganda machine that big tech has made to keep your mind stuck in this matrix of panic and fear. So you have to find a way to break out from that. And yes, I think listening to a show like this one is a step in that direction, a big one. Because I actually get to tell you what I think is true, and I don't answer to anybody. I answer to you, the audience. That's it. There's no one who ever tells me what to say, no one who ever tells me what to think. And I wouldn't take a job where that was the case. And so here I am trying to tell you, please, please block out the nonsense. We can go through this process. There's nothing. The system is not broken because Trump and his lawyers are looking for answers. He's not a tyrant. They're not going to have to pry him with a crowbar out of the White House. This is all crap. It's all lies. It's nonsense. But they're going to keep saying it. They're going to keep saying it. They're hoping to wear you down. They're hoping to wear us down so that we don't support the quest for answers. And I tell you this, it's a quest that may be unsuccessful. I do not overpromise here. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. You know, we still check. We should still know. Important for this election and critical for the next election. And then on top of that, we have this pandemic that is yes still infecting people and yes it is still dangerous especially people in certain age group but they don't want you to see what the real numbers are and what's really happening all around you they want to run the same playbook of oh my gosh everybody hide don't leave your home do what the experts say now there are a lot of reasons for this one of them though is that's what they told you the last time. Can you imagine if you just said, you know what, I'm going to enjoy my life more now. I'm going to go for walks without a mask on. <gasps> oh, my gosh, outside without a mask. I'm going to see my loved ones. If I have symptoms, if any of us are sick, we will we will stay away. We'll quarantine. But if no one has any symptoms, we're willing to take that risk unless you have an, a, rel- a relative who's particularly you know, elderly and immunocompromised. And that's a decision that you should make as individuals, not that the government should be making for you. Uh If you do that, if you live your life and you are able to have greater joy and more important memories because you've ignored the so-called experts in the media, then that's a step in breaking their control over you. Then that's a step in removing that constant cloud of fear in separating from those mechanisms that they use like we're all a bunch of lab rats and they want us to go a certain direction in the maze. Break yourself away from this. We will get through this election recount. We will get through this pandemic. We're going to be okay. But you don't have to let them control you. You don't have to let them brainwash you in order to get there. In fact, it only makes everything worse. Fight back against this. Establish your own individual freedom, your own individual limits. Don't let them Do what they want to do to you right now. Don't fall victim to this pandemic of panic that the media is trying to jam down your throat every chance they get.
0: Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. Get more from Buck by following him on social media at Buck Sexton on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And don't forget to visit BuckSexton.com.
1: What do I mean by panic? What do I mean by losing your mind, exaggerating, and no longer having any grip on reality because of the left-wing narrative. There are so many examples of it out there. And perhaps the, the best one right now is the utterly deranged, but somehow amusing because he's so crazy, Keith Olbermann. Play two.
2: But history will also ask what was in the hearts of the men and women who continued to support this creature Trump after his defeat, after his repudiation, after the national wildfire that was COVID-19 accelerated into this hellscape of conflagration in the days after the 2020 election. Who let Trump continue to run the pandemic fight into the ground? Who let Trump stay manifestly insane as he is in office? Who refused to risk anything refused to risk even a momentary loss of power to instead be certain that death ruled this nation. Who were these people? Did you put them on trial? Did any of them go to prison? What did you do to Trump after it was clear that he knew what was ahead and lied and lied and lied and lied and lied? lied? What did you do to make sure that no leader could ever commit this treason again? Treason not against the country, Treason against humanity.
1: Treason against humanity. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm actually sitting here. Crying. This guy is a total loon. Remember, he was MSNBC's biggest draw for years. They were paying this guy millions of dollars a year. It's a total lunatic. He sits there w- with a with a thesaurus. Oh, and then bringing together the the myriad of of. All the big words that I can throw into one monologue so that I can sound like somebody who's very intelligent. What a, what a total joke. But this is what, this is what happens. This is what you get. Treason against humanity. Maybe I should just do a show like that. Just do a show as Keith Oberman one day. Well, I don't understand what's going on. Or if, I, if I change my voice and I sound very... <laughs> He's great. He does. It's whatever, man. He calls me Sex Text Bump or whatever. Which I gotta say, that would people always, you know, ask me what my stage name would be. It's already Buck Buck Sexton is my name, and you all know this. People, people ooh, is it your real name? As if that's some kind of attack. My middle name is Buckman. Everyone has called me Buck since I was a baby. That's all that is. It's always been Buck. But uh, Text Sex Bump would be would be a good stage name. Actually, we're really gonna go there. So I'd have to work on my dance moves, though, Producer Mark. For what industry is that a good name? Uh, My stage name. Yeah, what stage? I don't know. Let's just say Broadway because there could be kids listening. So, all right. And uh, now, oh, oh, more panic. More, more. Oh, my gosh. Let's just say the craziest stuff about Trump possible. This is what they're doing. Play three.
3: All those people who now have the virus, who don't make it from now until January 20th, this blood is on his hands, because this isn't like he's sitting around thinking, how can I help? He's sitting around doing nothing. He's doing nothing. And he knows what he needs to do. And he's not doing it. And neither are these Republicans. And I I just I don't know when America turned into this particular version of America. But I got to tell you, I don't like it.
1: He's doing nothing. I've never seen a president that didn't care whether people lived or died. I mean, they say these horrible things about him. What what about the vaccine that has 95 percent efficiency or or, uh, effectiveness that We only have because the federal government backstopped them and said, we'll pay for the vaccine, make your best stuff, and we will pay for you to make it now. We'll cover We'll cover you. What about that? Oh, no, he's done nothing, though. What does Whoopi Goldberg, renowned critical thinker and epidemiologist, what does she think the president's supposed to do? There are state by state lockdowns going in everywhere and they're not going to do a damn thing. So what is Trump supposed to do exactly?
0: You're in the Freedom Hut. This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show.
3: The answer was I would follow the science. Mm-hmm. I am not going to shut down the economy, period. I'm going to shut down the virus. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm going to shut down. So that's what Again, no national shutdown. No national shutdown. Because every region, every area, every community is can be different. And so there's no circumstance which I can see would require a total national shutdown. I think that would be counterproductive.
1: Well, that's good to hear, but he still wants a national mask mandate, which is also nonsense. Why is that going to be better than what we have now? Where is the national mask mandate going to? What's that going to affect? What state that doesn't have a mask mandate is going to be so much better off with the national, a federal mask mandate, never mind the constitutional issues that obviously come to mind here. Under what authority would the federal government say you have to wear a mask all the time? If the federal government can say you have to wear a mask all the time, the federal government can also tell you that you can only wear, you know, blue shirts on Tuesdays because they say so. There's there's no authority for this. There's no basis for this. People say, oh, but quarantine powers. Quarantine is for the sick. This is for Everybody. We, we have transformed our understanding of public health policy this year in terrible ways. Now, completely, uh, completely healthy people who are ninety nine percent of the people in the country right now, even with covid surging, have to do all these things because the government says so, because they're now saying that the risk is too great. But he's not going to shut down the economy. He's going to shut down the virus. This is this is a, a promise that only a moron could make. How is he going to shut down the virus? He has nothing to say about this. They don't have some secret plan. This is the part of this. There's all this hysteria. You heard it from Whoopi Goldberg before. Trump doesn't care about people dying. Olbermann wants him in prison for crimes against humanity or whatever. You have all this hysteria, right? The panic that I keep talking about. And then you get these very flimsy talking points from the left about what they think should be done here. They have no answer. What, more, more harassment of people for having too many at a, at, a, at a Thanksgiving gathering? More harassment of people because they are uh, involved in doing the normal things that human beings do around the holidays? They, they think that's going to shut down the virus? I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going I'm I'm to shut down the virus. Really? How? We never, we never get the how. We just got more of the same. And, and they're actually the things they say that are intelligent or that makes sense. The things that Democrats say, you go, OK, well, that's not crazy because there are things like Biden saying, I'm not going to shut down the whole country. OK, well, that's that's at least some concession to not being completely bonkers. But here, here's Vice President Pence talking about the same thing. Play 11. But that
3: being said, President Trump wanted me to make it clear that uh, our task force this administration and our president does not support another national lockdown. And we do not support closing schools. You'll hear from Dr. Robert Redfield of the CDC that uh, actually the CDC never recommended that we close schools at any point this year.
1: Now, a couple of things here. One, notice. Notice that Redfield. i mean, sorry. Notice that Pence here is telling you. Uh, that they, they don't want a national shutdown, that that's not a good idea. And that's exactly what Biden says. So what is the thing that what is the thing that Trump is supposed to do that he's not doing? That the Trump administration is is uh, derelict on. We never hear it. They, they never come up with what it is. OK. Beyond that. Talks about schools. Here in New York City where I'm doing this show, schools are shut down, public schools. Now, private schools and parochial schools have stayed open and they're fine, but public schools are shut down. We are lectured all the time by people who are, the, who are really the, the um, primary purveyors of the most extreme lockdowns and masks and all the rest of it, right? Right. We're lectured by them about how they have to listen to the science. But they have always, at every phase of this, been picking and choosing what science they listen to. And I don't even mean on areas where there's disagreement. I mean, they just ignore things. They just ignore. There is no basis, sci- there's no basis in science, in data, to believe that mask wearing outdoors, for example, is necessary. It does not exist. If it did, trust me, you would know about it. It doesn't exist. No basis for it. There's no basis to believe that any substantial transmission of this happens outside. So if we're talking about acceptable risk, almost no risk would inherently be acceptable risk, right? When you have almost no risk of getting it outside, then that's acceptable. Stop wearing a mask outside. In New York City right now, if I went out on the street, 90% of people outdoors buy themselves masks on. Why? Because. And the people who say, "Oh, it's because it's more convenient." Well, then, pull it, well, then, why when they walk around with the mask on but pulled down, and then when they go inside, they just pull it on? It's obviously more comfortable. Okay, no one likes breathing through these idiotic face diapers. No one enjoys it. At least, not that I know of. But with schools, the CDC never said shut down schools. Now, I argue with the CDC about other stuff. I understand that, but the way. The left plays the game. Anything that the CDC says that they like cannot be argued. It's science. And then when the CDC says things that the teachers unions, which is all this is about, that the teachers unions don't like, it gets ignored. It's, it's like it didn't happen. Well, wow. that seems, seems quite a bit contradictory, doesn't it? It seems like that's not the way you would approach something if it was really all about the science. Here's the CDC director. Now, granted, he's a guy who said that face masks are even better for protecting you than a vaccine, which was a, a an irresponsible and indefensively stupid thing to say. It, it is. We all know it. It is. OK. But he is the CDC director and we have a lot of data on schools globally, as well as here in the United States. And here's what he's telling you about whether schools should be open. Play 10.
0: Using the data to make decisions in their communities, particularly as relates to uh, K-12s through 12s and institutes of higher learning, uh, these clearly the data support that it's really important from a public health perspective, both from the pandemic as well as what uh, we'll, you'll hear about in a minute, that these schools stay open.
1: They should all be open. There is no good reason for them to be closed. There's no excuse for them to be closed. This is, honestly, it is outrageous. This should not be happening, but it is happening, and it's happening because there are powerful interests known as teachers' unions that are essential for the Democrat Party who have decided that they like being able to hold cities like New York, as well as other places, hostage, by pretending they're all so terrified of COVID that they can't actually go in and teach kids. So your grocery store clerk, your local you know pharmacy worker, shows up, does their job, and God bless them for doing it. But your teacher in the public school system, too scary to be around the kids. When kids, as we know, we have the data, very they're at effectively no risk, but they're also very unlikely to spread it to adults probably because their immune system handles it very well, so they don't become major, uh, major vectors of viral spread, right? They, even if they do get an infection, their body handles it very well. The young immune system does very well against COVID. Thank God, right? Could you imagine? I don't even want to tell you what it was like, the Spanish flu pandemic of 1918. In the second wave, it was remarkably deadly, I mean, horrifically deadly in a very fast period of time. For people in, from twenty to forty, so you know, and at that time people had a shorter lifespan, so that was really those are your primary caregivers for children. Those are the people that are prime working age, and you'd think there'd be, and they were, they were dropping all over the place, and it was very rapid too. It was not what you see here with COVID, where it's a weeks of progression and you fight it, and you got a shot. It would be people were dying in days after getting it. So we we're in a far better position with this than we were with that. I mean, really, they're not comparable diseases in terms of lethality, and they're just, they're not. Um, and and part of that is because we have better treatment and everything else, but if you read about the Spanish flu of, of 1918, especially in the, in the second wave that hit, uh, it's terrifying. It's truly terrifying. So, here we are, with all the information we need to know that schools are fine, schools should be open, Why isn't the media demanding schools open? Because the media is run by Democrats, and Democrats all know they need teachers' unions, and your mainstream media outlets will not cross teachers' unions because that's their team. That's why. There's no other reason. There's no other good explanation for why schools are shut down with the tremendous damage this is doing to kids, their development, their learning, to the parents who have to care for them. And the Newsoms and the Cuomos and the Pelosi's, they don't give a crap. They don't care. In fact, they'd rather just be the great science-believing fighters of COVID with their public policy. They, they'd rather play that game in their heads than deal with the reality of the fact that the panic they've created around this has resulted in these nonsensical and destructive school lockdowns. That's really where we are.
0: Thanks for listening to the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. For more Buck, head to bucksexton.com and remember to subscribe to the podcast.
1: You haven't really seen it yet, but you will, especially if there is a Biden administration. You'll see the way that COVID-19 and the government powers that have been uh, taken here are used for things that have nothing to do with COVID. It's going to happen. We have now conceded that just because they say so governors, for example, can, uh, can tell you where you can travel, who you can see, what you can do, what business you can open, that you have to constrict your breathing. You have to interfere with the most, natural, necessary thing you do every day. Breathing is first. The first thing you do all every day, when you wake up, you are breathing. If you are not, you are dead. They will interfere with the most basic biological process you have with, the, with a pen and a phone, with a, a, a declaration from on high. You don't think that that Has an effect on where society is going and how much control they think they can exert over the rest of us? Oh, my friends, it absolutely does. And Joe Biden is already starting to say things that lets you understand just where this is going to be used, how this will be deployed. Play clip 12.
3: But the purpose here is to get we talked a lot about with the governors about what the immediate needs are. I'm going to, we're going to impose the, we're going to enforce the, excuse me, employ the Defense uh, Reconstructed Act to be able to go out there and dictate companies build and do following things. We need much more testing. We need much more masking. I mean, that's more, we need gloves.
1: We're going to use uh, I mean, I know it's Biden just kind of using a whole jumble here. You think that they're going to stop at just stuff that has to do? He's going to use the Defense Production Act, he says. You think that stops at COVID? These these people, the Democrats, claim that climate change, for example, is an existential threat to humanity. Now, a normal, reasonable person doesn't think, oh, they can leverage the Defense Production Act to create, you know, windmills or green jobs or whatever it is that they're talking about. But Democrats are not normal in that regard. They believe that it's an existential threat and therefore it does fall under national security, uh, national security auspices, and, and they can use something like the Defense Production Act to pursue the crazy Green New Deal policies. And this stuff with COVID, you know, we, we need more masks, we need more testing. They've been saying that all along. That has not changed anything, right? We were told we didn't have enough you know, we were told we didn't have enough um, ventilators. And then we found out we didn't even need the ventilators. We were told that we were running out of PPE. And now everywhere I go, they're, they're, they're actually giving out masks a lot of stores and places I go. They're actually giving you free masks. Here you go, take a mask. You know, I remember we used to give out breath mints at places. Now they're giving you masks to prevent uh, the spread of an aerosolized disease. But that's where we are. This is what the situation the country is in right now. But they're going to use this stuff for a whole lot. And you need to be aware of that right now, because this is unprecedented in my lifetime. I don't know if the country's ever been through something quite like this before, where they've been able to anesthetize us enough with fear, but also with delicious food, entertainment options, you know, the Internet, all this stuff. If we lived in a pre-internet era and people were just told to stay in their homes and they couldn't communicate and escape into all these different entertainment venues and everything from their homes, I think this would all be if we couldn't do your job from home. Think about that. Imagine if we didn't have all these technologies that allow for virtual meeting and everything else. The lockdown wouldn't have lasted a month. But in a sense, technology has also, while it has enabled us to be far more comfortable and more. Uh, capable during these lockdowns, it also has been a necessary condition for them. You really think if you were stuck in a home where all there was, let's say, was a black and white TV with, with four channels or three channels or whatever it was, and you barely could get in touch with anybody via phone and you couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't see anyone, and you couldn't go to your job and you couldn't do your work from home, how long do you think that would last in society? So because of the technological changes, people are much more accepting of this than they would otherwise be. My concern, though, is that everyone now just kind of has this fatalism about, well, if the government says they've got a really good reason, if the government says that they have a real need to shut down the Bill of Rights, who am I to who am I to tell them No, Who am I to stand in their way? And as you know, the answer is you're Everybody. You're in, you're in an absolute position to stand in the government's way over these things. If, if not you, there won't be anyone. If we the people don't speak out against this, if we don't decide that what they've been doing is crossing boundaries that they have no right to cross, they're just going to keep going. They're not going to stop. And I think this was unfortunately something that took too long for a lot of, a lot of conservatives to come to this conclusion I I didn't see it at first. I thought, and this was a mirror imaging fallacy. I thought the Democrats would do, if I were Biden, what I would do coming to office is try to get everybody back to normal life and prosperity and get that vaccine out as fast as possible and then just and be the guy who's almost the great liberator from COVID. That's not going to be the Democrat approach. They're going to use 2021. The way that Obama used 2009 after the financial crisis, which was what can I do now? How can I exploit the crisis and a terrified and beaten down population to achieve the policy design ends that I want? That's what the Biden team is coming in. And that's what they want to do, which is why I know the left is complaining right now about how they think that Biden's not doing. You know, Biden won't do enough that they want and just wait. Just wait. They'll find their way into the upper reaches of this administration, assuming there's a Biden administration, and they'll be making all kinds of decisions that you're not really allowed to fight against, because if you are, uh, if you do so, you are making it impossible for us to protect people from covid. You are standing in the way of science. All of these. All of these slogans will be deployed for things that have nothing to do with COVID. Get ready for that. This is the mobilized. It's the Alinskyite mobilization of a population around one issue that can then be used to deal with any issue. Dr. Fauci's out there these days. He's still, you know, he's maybe he's going to be with the Biden administration. If they come in. He's going to be talking to them about the stuff. How can I help Joe Biden? You know, I like him more than Trump because, you know, he's a. He's a Democrat like I am, a big lib. You know, we all know Fauci's a big lib. And he says this about where we are with the vaccine. I I wanted to share some thoughts about it. Play
0: nine. And I hear a lot now when we made these announcements this past Monday and then two Mondays ago about some reticence of people. Well, did you rush this? Was this too fast? Is it really safe and is it really efficacious? The process of the speed did not compromise at all safety, nor did it compromise scientific integrity. It was a reflection of the extraordinary scientific advances in these types of vaccines, which allowed us to do things in months that actually took years before. So I really want to settle that concern that people have about that.
1: Where was that very straightforward Fauci on the vaccines a couple of months ago? Did did he ever call out Kamala Harris and Joe Biden for straight up undermining our our sense that the vaccine was was going to be uh, safe, which is what they were doing. Can't trust a vaccine. They were even asking, you know, would you trust a vaccine or a Trump? I trust the scientists, Biden says, but I can't trust Trump. Well, Trump's not in a lab with a beaker and a Bunsen burner saying I'm developing the very best vaccine. No, that's not what was happening. We all know it. So. What exactly was the was the reason that Fauci was was M.I.A. on this? Wouldn't it have been helpful to have this this uh, this guy who's become the chief voice of of the really the lockdowners and, and the panic mongers? But wouldn't wouldn't it be good to have that guy come out and say, hey, everybody, take this vaccine? In fact, Rand Paul is also a doctor. People forget that M.D. Uh, Rand Paul is saying that he thinks people should be able to get the vaccine like tomorrow. I mean, the FDA they say is is about to is about to clear one of them, but you know we're hearing all about this delay and all this other stuff. If if you want to take a vaccine that is currently there, should be something that you can just sort of sign that says, "Look, I, I'm not worried about this anymore. I want to just take it. I want to do it." So much of the slowdown in this process comes from liability, from the basically the ever-present. Blood sucking from society that the trial lawyers, unfortunately, are responsible for that. That's that never really gets talked about enough because the trial lawyers are very powerful, big lobbyists, very, very important demographic for a very important um, uh, special interest for the Democrat Party. But it's this is another reason why businesses have to do all these stupid mandates, because if they don't do stuff that's suggested by the state or that's demanded by the state. Also, someone has to do is get COVID, and then they come and they sue. They say, "Well, you don't require masks, so I'm suing you." Right? Same problem we have with vaccines. We have to be super duper duper sure that they're safe for basically everybody, or else there are going to be lawsuits around this. And I'm going to tell you this right now: uh, if if I were over sixty and I had the opportunity to take this vaccine and you know jab it into my arm or my butt or whatever it you know wherever you need to do it, I think it's the arm probably. I don't know. If, I don't really feel like they do shots in the butt anymore but wherever you got to jab it you know um then then i would do it absolutely without without question i would take it i know some of you have your concerns and everything else you should have that freedom to make your choice but i would take it if i were in a high risk category i would not not even blink it i would take it um so i think people should be able to take it even more easily even more quickly i'm sitting here wondering We keep hearing it's going to take all this time to distribute this. If we get this vaccine out to, you know, a large percentage of people who are basically retirement age. Right. So let's say 65 and older. If we get this out within a month, we've got 20 or 30 million seniors who have been, been been inoculated. The death rate from COVID the following month is going to drop like a stone in water. And that's really what we're concerned about. I know there's this stuff about oh, long COVID and people get all terrified about these news stories they read. It's really whether people make it through this virus uh, without, you know, without losing their lives. That's our primary concern. And if you inoculate senior citizens, you're in a great position to watch the death, the death rate just completely almost almost evaporate. Very few people in their 30s and 40s and 50s die from very, very few. So even if we just get it to the most vulnerable, we we get it to seniors. There'll be tremendous benefit that comes from that. And I'm sitting here just saying, I mean, look, I've I talked to a guy from Warp Speed, a doctor interviewed him a couple of weeks ago about what's going on. I don't understand where we're, we're waiting. What are we still waiting for? Why are we still waiting? Why isn't this vaccine, you know, this weekend in drugstores across the country or, or at least in distribution centers the federal government set up? Let's go. There's no benefit to waiting at this point. It does feel a little bit. I know we've, we're supposed to be so thankful that we've gotten to this point, but I'm telling you, it's legal stuff. That's the it's it's fear of lawsuits. They got to do this. They got to do that. They got to do all these little final things. When really people are dying, we should be getting this vaccine to them as soon as possible. Days count. Why isn't it being distributed right away? That, that's my feeling on this. So I, I would take it to an even more radical place. I agree with Rand Paul. You should be able to sign a waiver that's like, just give me the vaccine tomorrow. I don't want to wait for any more of this approval crap. It obviously works. Give me the vaccine. That's what I would do.
0: This is the Best of Buck Daily Podcast. The top stories of the day from the Buck Sexton Show. For more Buck, head to BuckSexton.com. And remember to subscribe to the podcast.
4: Yelling with his friends, that's okay. Look, he is phonier than a vegan at a steakhouse, and he just proved it. And that video just undid him. But but there's a fix to all this, whether it's Lori Lightfoot or Newsom or Mm -hmm. the mayor of D.C. A simple fix. If you're a government official and you shut other people's businesses down, you don't get paid because if they lose their paycheck and you're the one responsible, you don't get your paycheck. Let's see how that goes. I'm not being facetious about it. Uh, There's no skin in the game of these government officials. They're making uh, big decisions about the peasants like us who have to live by the rules, but they don't live by them and they have no consequence. They don't lose a dime of their salary. They get taxpayer money and it never goes away. Let that go away. Let yeah. them suffer some consequences financially. You're going to see this change.
1: I want you to remember all that. First of all, I, I think that Mike Huckabee's kind of corny dad jokes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he leads into it, man. He, he owns it. I, I'll say that about him. He doesn't back off it at all. So I, I'm, I'm fine with it. You know what I mean? Because, because he owns it, because he goes with, I can't even do a good impersonation of a corny Mike Huckabee joke because it's a whole next level but he's really good at them. And I will say this too, just as an aside, I had friends who used to work on Mike Huckabee's show at Fox News and they always said he he is a super nice guy and and this business I really respect that. He treated his staff very well. Uh you'd be surprised some of the I don't think that's surprising to you at all. I think Mike Huckabee comes across as a really nice guy. But you'd be surprised some of the folks who really aren't what they present as on TV, including some of them on our side. But Mike is one of the good ones. He's a good dude. Uh, And and I do find his jokes sometimes. I I don't laugh at them, but I'm still still, uh, amused by them. But on the important point here, the hypocrisy that you've seen on display, I can tell you this right now. Many of the loudest voices. We're going into Thanksgiving week next week, and many of the loudest voices that you will hear. Many of the people out there, who will be the first ones to say, "How dare you? Uh, how dare you gather with more than is it six people? Is it ten people?" Remember, there, there's no basis for this other than what politicians, on a whim, decide. Right? There's there's no science that says six people is safe. Eight people is dangerous or 10 people is dangerous, but five people is safe. That's not how it works. All of this is about personal risk tolerance, risk mitigation and understanding that there's there's no perfect safety. And I just would much rather live in a country. I'd much rather (laughs) live in a world where I'm in charge of my safety to the greatest degree possible when it comes to things like this. My my personal health, instead of thinking that government bureaucrats Give a crap because they do not. And they keep showing you that. Look at some of the primary lockdown advocates in politics. I mean, really think about this for a moment. Cuomo, Newsom, Lightfoot, you know, the mayor of Chicago, uh, you know, Governor Whitmer, Pelosi, Feinstein, every single person I've named there. Oh, oh, oh de Blasio in New York. Every single person who is out in front demanding lockdowns, who's out in front demanding that you obey or else, they've all been shown to be big frauds. They've all been shown to be phonies. So what I want to tell you as you're preparing now, I know it's not until next week that we have Thanksgiving, but what I want to tell you as we're getting ready for it is that those same people, they, you, you, can, you can be assured of this, On Monday and Tuesday, they will be telling you to be scared and not to gather. And then on Thursday, they're going to do whatever the heck they want in their own homes away from the cameras. I, I assure you of that. This is part of the of the disease of the mind that is liberalism today. They can always separate out their preference for policy from individual action. Right? What they want all of you to do is one thing. What they want to do themselves is another. And they don't see that as a disconnect. Right? They think that they should be allowed. They're special. They're important. And they still should advocate for all the good policies for everyone else. So you know, they, they can sit there, and if we're going to you know, use a, a metaphor here, they can sit and eat that pint of ice cream every night, but they want to tell everybody else that they have to, not that they should, they have to eat healthy. So they take the pint of ice cream out of your hands and they feel good about themselves in the process. This is a this is common for collectivists. In fact, this is one of the appeals of being a leftist, is that because of your public promotion of of certain policies and certain ideas, because of the way that you advocate for things that you think in the aggregate will be better for everybody, it excuses you. You know, an example of this from history would be the period Uh, I mean, those of you who are who are interested in Catholic Church history, uh, you talk about the indulgences, right? Well, what is an indulgence? And if you go back, you learn about them. You find that it's a way to reduce your punishment after you die, a way to reduce your time in uh, purgatory. And it often involved making a donation. Right. So you would be punished for your sins in the afterlife. But if you wrote a check, you'd be, and by the way, it wasn't a check. I know it would have been actual, it wouldn't, they weren't operating with banks the way that we do, but they would have, you know, if you made a, a donation of land or a donation of, you know, gold coins or whatever, um, but when the, with the onset of the idea of purgatory in the 11th and 12th centuries, that purgatory was this in-between place where you would have to suffer for your sins. And then eventually, and and everyone was going to go to purgatory because unless you were a saint, unless you were perfect, unless you were Jesus himself, so they would have you give money. Uh, So there was the plenary indulgence, and then there was a partial indulgence, right? So if you got a plenary indulgence, that meant you went straight to heaven, and a partial indulgence meant, well, you're spending a little less time in purgatory, but you still got to suffer a little bit for your sins in this life before you can go to heaven, Now, this was all meant to help people get to eternal salvation in some ways, at least by church doctrine at the time. In some ways, uh, it's perhaps best known because of its usage during the Crusades, which, as you know, is one of my favorite historical periods. I I find the whole period of the Crusades and much of what I talk about on this show in in our Shields High and history podcasts uh, with Lepanto, which is coming out soon. Malta with the siege of Constantinople in 1453. Even the real Dracula, which we just did, uh, much of that is very much an extension of the Crusades. It's just a continuation of that period. We think of Jerusalem, and people think of Richard the Lionheart, and they'll think the first, the second, the third Crusade. But that whole period really extends and ends around the time of the Renaissance, or, or you know, really in the in the mid to late Renaissance. There's still crusading going on in one form or another. Um, but anyway, that's. That's the leftist mentality on display, that if you support the right policies, it's the equivalent of in the medieval church dropping a few gold coins in the collection plate. So you spend who knows how much less time in purgatory. So they're comfortable with it. I'm telling you about this just because I think, oh, and and, uh, as we know, it also led one of one of the primary reasons for the Reformation and Martin Luther Protestant, uh, the Protestant schism uh, was because indulgences became so corrupt. Well, it, it actually corrupts. It actually corrupts liberalism too to have this mentality. Uh, and they're not really liberals, as you know. They're leftists. They are. Uh, they're collectivist. They're. We don't. We need better terms for the left. I will say that. I mean, the left works as a broad, as a sweeping, but uh, we, we should come up with something more. I think progressive, in many ways, is the most useful because that is their their goal is just incrementalism toward toward the goals of the left all the time i mean that that's the strategy it is an incrementalist it's really an incrementalist totalitarianism i mean talk to any democrat you know and you ask them what they want this country to look like in 50 years and it's some kind of a utopia but to get to that utopia it has to be totalitarian in scope right a a place without uh think of the john lennon song you know imagine all the people all that stuff Oh yeah, imagine a society where everyone has everything they need, everything they want, there's no violence, we're all equal, we all have equity, but that utopian vision is only achievable by the elimination of freedom and individual choice. But in the meantime, you got a lot of libs, back to my initial premise here, that will be telling you that for Thanksgiving, uh, you should be doing the following, and I can assure you, it's a guarantee that they will not be doing the same thing. Not all of them, but. A good number of them will say you can't gather more than six people or you have to wear masks indoors in your own home. They're not going to do it. You know, I live in a place in New York City where there's mask and social distancing hysteria. I mean, they do. There's there's little places in the elevator where your feet are supposed to go as if that's going to help the social distancing. That's going to save you from getting the virus. You know, you were standing four feet, seven inches from somebody, and then if you stand on the little places where your feet are supposed to go in the elevator, you're going to be standing six feet away. Oh, six feet away! Then you're going to be safe. And and you know this, and, and, and I understand there's a lot of pressure to attack people who say these things, but the six feet rule is entirely arbitrary. There's nothing about this six feet rule that is scientifically based they just said what's a good amount of distance let's go with six feet in my gym where i work out which i know any day now they're going to shut it down and i'm just going to go back to you know eating mac and cheese and and gluten-free cookie dough all the time i know that's that's what's going to happen this winter it's going to be job of the buck all over again i've just started to turn it around the gym has been working i've been getting stronger fitting better into my clothing everything's been going the right direction they're going to shut down the gym so i've got no social interaction no gym no re- no places to go and be around other people Really hard to not just Netflix and nap and eat too much when that's the situation, as we all know. So I'm, I'm just telling you the uh, the oh, the uh, mask mania in my building. I see people all the time who I know are the Karens who complain about this. And, and if anyone's mask drops down in front of them, they go and they cry to management right away and everything else. But I've seen them without masks on. So this is a constant thing. This is all throughout the leftist mentality. People become addicted to the virtue signaling. And a part of that then is that they, they have a blindness to their own hypocrisy and to their own disregard of these rules. And as long as that is so widespread among liberals, as long as that is um, something that you're going to find among millions and millions of Democrats, we won't reach a point of sanity where we can all say, Enough is enough, we're not doing this nonsense anymore. That's the big challenge. That's the big problem as I see it. So the hypocrisy point, yeah, it's fun to dunk on libs like Gavin Newsom for being such big hypocrites. And even if it means we get to hear a fun, you know old grandpa joke from Governor or former Governor Mike Huckabee, I don't think that people should be called their titles, their government titles when they no longer have them. I know some think I'm I'm off on this one, but I feel very strongly about it. Anyway, Mike Huckabee. I like uh, I like that he's calling this out because it is a big problem. And it's the reason why these stupid rules persist, because the people that want to enforce the stupid rules on you are the ones the ones most interested in enforcing them against you are the first ones who break them behind closed doors and don't care.